Okay. I think we did it. Good. Okay. Awesome. Well, um, I'm excited about our conversation. It's, I'm going to be learning from you and I'll be asking questions because uh, there's a lot that I don't know. And, um, but I, and I also appreciate your particular way to approach psychedelics, this, the theme that we're going to be talking about. Uh, your particular way to approach it, from my perspective, is that you hold the spiritual component as the foundation and that um, you seem to see it as a tool to help us all grow into more and more um, love and expansive consciousness so that we can incarnate that love in our daily lives. That's always my big question is how can we take what we learn from whatever state of consciousness we get into and bring it into our more permanent stages of consciousness so that we can grow more and more um, loving and loving service. So thank you, uh, Leon. And maybe <clears throat> giving, giving a little bit of a background as um, what, who, who are you and uh, how did you get into the psychedelic realm? So take as long as you would like to on that. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I'm excited too. Our conversations are always rich. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm excited about this chat today. And I love the way you characterize, the way, the way you perceive, the way I, I work with these sacred medicines. Um, I, when I did my, had my first experience with ayahuasca, uh, served by a Colombian shaman. Um, in 2015, I was at a very dark place. I had had an extended depression. I was diagnosed with major depressive disorder. And um, the therapist said, well, the next, the next thing we should try with you is ECT, electric convulsive therapy, and like shock treatments. <laughs> yeah yeah I, I think i think what i just heard you say is you don't know how to help me <laughs> mm -hmm. um and through grace about that time i was watching netflix and saw you may also like and there was this documentary called um dmt the spirit molecule i was like "Ooh, what's that and so I watched that and I remember what I said in my head. It's like, that's on this planet and I'm on this planet. I will, I will find that. And so it took me a few months, but um, I found this, uh, this retreat, with this Colombian shaman. I got on a plane. I found out about it the week before it was, but I um, got off my meds. Because that's what the, the facilitator said. Yeah, you don't want to be on meds. And so I stopped on that day, which was like a Sunday or a Monday. And um, yeah, I, at that point in my life, I was raised Catholic. Um, I, maybe I would say I felt forsaken and I, I had kind of sworn all that off. I 
tongue-in-cheek called myself a recovered Catholic. Um, I was somewhere between agnostic and atheist at that point in my life. And yeah, I had no patience for religion and maybe not even spirituality. I just was desperate to heal. And I would say that all my healing has come through spirituality. Um, that experience was my initiation to my heart. I felt like I got introduced to my heart, felt my heart for the first time. It felt like uh, it was my spiritual initiation at that point in time. And the, the trajectory of my life changed then. Um, shortly after that, I met my who I oftentimes refer to as my teacher. He was really um, an angel <laughs> for me. Mm. I worked with me pretty intensely for about a year and a half. And I can remember about 13 months after waking up one day and realizing I was glad I was alive. And... Mm. I had been so convinced that it was impossible for me to ever be glad to be alive that it felt like a miracle that I was standing there in my apartment in downtown Dallas, looking out the window and feeling like I was glad that I was alive. That was a miracle for me. Like I was so absolutely convinced that was an impossibility. And so that's, <laughs> that's how it started for me. Um, my teacher taught me how to work with the medicines. And before I knew it, probably sometime in early 2016, I had someone asking me if I would uh, help them. And that was the first time I uh, worked with somebody with the medicines. And here I am. And I, uh, I'm still doing that work. Uh, it's not anything official for me when somebody finds me. If I feel like these medicines will help them, and if I feel like they're suffering like I was, or if I feel like they're on the cusp of like going through a portal spiritually, that's the other kind of class of people who, who, who a lot of times they're people I know who can feel that there's something that can open up for them. And it's always an, an honor to get to, to, to be able to, um, to witness that uh, too. Those are the two main scenarios of the people that tend to ask me um, to, to work with them. And do you feel that, that a lot of people are led to you? Like they could trace some kind of breadcrumb trail of spiritual, spiritual trail that somehow leads them to connect with you series of synchronicities or something, and then um, they're able to get their needs met uh, by the teacher that you are. You know, they say that when the student is ready, the teacher can appear. Do you see that sometimes people is talking about a series of synchronicities that leads them to you? Yeah, I feel like I, I, trust that the people who find me are the people who that I'm a fit to help mm. that the the way that I do what I do is going to be what they need 
And then some, but there are some cases where I feel like that's not the case. I've said no a few times, but most of the time I err on the side of, I started the place of thinking that if they found me, that I'm, I'm the right person for them. Okay. Yeah. Like, like the, the journey to find you own vetting system in a way. Totally. Yeah. Well, uh, that's fascinating. So I'm hearing you say that your own pain that you felt in the, the desolation of a depression and depression is when, when someone's really depressed and has severe major depressive disorder that would be primed and ready for ECT. Uh, that means that a lot of things they've tried a lot of things and hasn't worked and yeah. feel that there is a hopelessness like the rest of their life is truly hopeless that it there's there's no silver lining this won't ever get better and uh the valley that people tell you and you're just in a valley and you'll come back out of it doesn't feel like a valley at that point it feels like an endless black tunnel that uh you walk forward, but can never escape the oppressiveness of that darkness. That's where you were. And then you moved into, you were, you, you, you were led, you were led to this guy, well, you were led to the Colombian shaman and it happened to be synchronous with your schedule. And then that started something. And then I guess you came back. Was it, did you come back to the States and found the guide that worked with you more intimately here? Or was that the Colombian shaman? No, it was just the grace. But it was actually through someone that I met okay. at that retreat. That led, the, the breadcrumbs went through that retreat to find the person who really just ended up being just a few miles away from me. And Okay, Wow. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, good. And then you say two people, normally two types of people find you. One are maybe someone who's really suffering from depression and or anxiety, and they're trying to explore ways to feel relief from that. And then the other might be where they're plateaued in some way, and they, they feel a calling to move in some direction but they're not quite sure how to get there. And so they're led to you and then you can give them the means to experience a type of consciousness that opens things up for them. And yeah, uh, I would say, go ahead. But no, no, that, that was a question I had. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe they would say that they're at a plateau a lot of times. Uh -huh. What I hear from them is they feel like there's something for them there. And they feel like they, um, they feel called to, to, to explore deeper into themselves. And um, which, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and throw that in at this point too, that um, I love the way you characterized how I work with the medicine and, and the spiritual um, frame, kind of it all starts there. Because for me, 
that is what started to shift my ability to be at peace and have some joy in my life experience. A big part of that was the way I started to see myself and the way I started to see what the world is and why we're here in the purpose. And all of that was around spirituality and consciousness and, um, and cosmology, really, how did the world get created? What is it? How, you know, what's, what's the arc? What's the wire? What's the purpose of it all? And so as all of that shifted, I started being able to make peace with what the world is, what we are each individually. And then the other thing I, uh, I was going to add in to your great intro was that, you know, I feel like at the core of what I do with the medicines is help people align to themselves and kind of, I think these medicines are unique in their ability to say, take someone who is conditioned and, and calcified into the constructs of uh, our culture and, you know, uh, the idea of what we're supposed to be, what we should be, and what we're supposed to be, what success is defined for us as, and then to help make a shift, which is a pretty tectonic shift in it and a shift of, of viewing and align with the uniqueness of who each of us are and the guarantee that each of us is absolutely unique. And that's what's wanting to come through is our uniqueness. Um, and break this idea of just trying to fit in and be normal, but really to be liberated into trying to deepen into the uniqueness of what we are and the willingness to uh, to be at odds with maybe a lot of other uh, what's a lot of other things that are going on, and to 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 lean into that, you know, kind of this idea of raising our freak flags high, and the liberation that comes through that. And man, that's that's a big journey. And these medicines, I. Absolutely agree. And I say it sometimes myself, but they're not for everybody. And which I think that's true. But also, I think that they're so powerful for helping us to break out of this calcified rut, you know, this, this feeling of stuckness that so many of us feel at, at varying levels. Because one of the things that's unique about psychedelic these medicines is that built into the experience is the suspension of disbelief. And I think that's one of the big things that makes these medicines so powerful is in the experience as a gift, you get the suspension of your disbelief which itself creates possibilities. Okay, thank you. So what I'm hearing you say there is there's a calcification that happens uh, as we go through our early childhood and develop into adults where we're, we are learning how to navigate cultural expectations, familial expectations, religiosity or, or whatever it is, these different concentric circles in our lives. 
that try to give us meaning. And uh, I'm not going to demonize this because we all need to start out somewhere. But at some point, um, if, if we're not given the freedom, modeled the freedom, uh, or given the freedom, yes, to, to discover how we each have an individual uniqueness that is sort of the divine, rea- the divine nature of God is wanting to express itself in the thisness or the suchness of you and me as a unique facet of that immortal diamond that if we're not given permission to do that and then shamed back into conformity or guilted back into following the this calcified way then we ourselves actually have to by survival adopt the calcification but nevertheless there is a um a restlessness that is germinated born and then grows with our desire to to have a, an actualization to, to feel and experience actualization but we don't know what to do with that uh and that restlessness maybe can lead us into behaviors just to get out from under its oppression it can lead into behaviors that can move into let's say addictions or depression, or anything to kind of numb out the screaming voice of that restlessness. Um, discover yourself and express yourself, you know, those voices, because we don't know how. You're saying then I think the medicines can uh, be that which puts a pause button on our, on the codification of, of the reality uh, perspectives that we operate from, put a pause button on that, but still allow us to witness and experience things. So if you have a pause button on how to make sense of things, but then have the flow of experience of things come through, it automatically, the experience or or having a consciousness will open us up into a new way of seeing the world, seeing ourselves and all of that. So is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah. yeah, those are some of the key components mm-hmm. of the experience. For you, then, if you don't mind sharing, because I think this would be helpful for, for people who participate or engage in this video or audio, is what might be some things that opened up for you that you didn't realize were even codified or rigid, rigid, rigid uh, that maybe contributed to some of your depression that seemed... You couldn't get out of and then discovered the spaciousness inside the plant medicine what what were some ways of freedom for you mm. yeah so one thing that pops into my head is that i had mentioned that that first experience was somewhat of an initiation to my heart and feeling my heart And what I realized came of that as that unfolded was that I realized that my heart is also my internal compass. And what what this contrast showed me is that until I felt a connection to my heart, my internal compass, that I had a tendency to find out what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Like, what are the things on the menu 
of things that are okay to do was what I was seeing other people do. And so as I look around to the other people out expressing in the world, that was my menu of what things were okay and acceptable to do. And that started to shift when I started to work with these medicines to where I felt my own internal compass come online. And then it wasn't working off of a menu. I felt like the force of creation was creating the possibilities, not just this limited menu of things that have been witnessed by me in the past. So the, the menu became an infinite menu and also um, things that I was feeling pulled towards. And so that was a dramatic shift in experiencing. Okay. Did that make sense? <laughs> yes, it did. Um, I'm going to put a, a pause just for a second. I can edit this out. Uh, my computer is saying that um, I'm almost out of space, but I need to just delete a couple of things. So this will just take a couple of just about 30 seconds here for me to delete okay. something. Uh, so I'm going to stop recording and I'm going well, to I have to stop recording, right? You don't. I mean, you, we can just edit. I repause it. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, all right, go for it. All right. Well, what I'm specifically interested in uh, is the way it feels for you or felt for you to align your heart with, let's say, the creator's heart. Now, maybe you didn't say these, so I'm putting words in your mouth and I, please correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong on this. But it feels like when you accessed the, the medicine, that it opened up your constriction and there was an alignment, maybe um, a portal, like heart, creator's heart, and that allowed them to write through into you and through you into the world. But what was that experience like for you? Yeah. So the first thing I'll say is that um, in some of my medicine work sessions and some of my journeys, I'll call them journeys, I started getting introduced to the idea that, and I'll use some phrasing from another body of work that I really enjoy. You know, I've mentioned this to you before, the Paul Selig's guides. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, the channeled work that I like a lot. And one of the things that they said in one of those books that really resonated with me was uh, the idea, at least in a phase, that there's a braiding of the wills, like the divine will and the, the will of you know the, the, the physical, egoic, uh, fear-entangled self. A braiding of those, at least through a phase of it, there's a braiding of the wills where you know, we acknowledge that we still have our, our own will and that there's a divine will and there's a braiding of that. So initially it was, it was just an introduction to the idea that we might start to soften and start to ease ourselves and become more into an allowance of uh, something that might be offered to us by our higher self to, 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 uh, of the divine. And so, and then what I found is I would do work with the medicines, oftentimes I would really feel and experience this idea of just being a vessel and being an allowance, hmm. which felt um, 
somehow that felt very powerful and very freeing and very natural and very um, uh, whole, very whole. The wholeness that came with that. And then between sessions that I would be doing maybe at the most monthly, uh, you know, after being in the force of the medicine, uh, finding myself oftentimes being back into the scenarios that I'm used to and that feeling like it was just a million miles away. How could I ever accomplish that? Just, you know, so there's this, this like dance between being back in ordinary consciousness and what I sometimes refer to is this fear entangled mindset that we all, um, uh, you know, that's part of what we signed up for um, in the human experience. And then occasionally going into this space where that fear entanglement might get uh, rested, relaxed into the background to where we feel more of this openness and connection to this, to the divine and feel like we're one with it. And from that place, it's like, well, of course, we're going to be a vessel for the force of creation to flow through us and to be able to be an expression of God. And then you go back and then you're like in the real world. And so it's a dance and it's, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a practice. It becomes a practice. I think of it from that perspective, almost like karma yoga as like bringing every moment becomes a practice the ability to uh, um, to dance with what's what's in front of us, what's showing up, and to be able to relax into it and to um, see if we can allow, be more in allowance and be less reactive and less driven by our fears and our and our trauma and be be more just open and trusting. Because to me, that becomes a big part of it. What I'm hearing you say is that when you have unitive consciousness, when you have these moments of the altered states mm -hmm. and you are experiencing yourself inside a united field of consciousness. So it's no yes. longer, yes. you're no longer, you're looking out in of the world from a dualistic mindset of mm -hmm. uh, subject object. Mm -hmm. Like all of a sudden, it's everything is a subject to subject connection within the field of unity and union. Doug, can you hear me? You froze up. Doug? Yo, Doug. Oh, man, you froze. start again and we yeah my my question is when you are in when you're partaking in the medicine and you are inside of unitive consciousness because the altered state of consciousness that i'm hearing you describe is unitive consciousness where, where you get a sense of the uh 
love, the united field of consciousness of love coming in and through you and into the world. And you get this sense of uniqueness that you are the suchness, the, the, um, yeah. Then how does that bleed over to everyday consciousness for you? And it shows up in the mundane world where all of a sudden everything takes on a sacramental nature, uh, a holy nature, and, and, and is no longer a part of this ethos of separation, but rather a subject-to-subject um, connection within, with inside units of consciousness. So I'm wondering how that shows up for you. Yeah, I think that... A few, a few things come together for that to start to be experienced, you know, a little bit here and there over time to where things start to shift and feel a little different. Um, for me, part of that was the teaching that came through so many times around And the teaching would come through in different ways, but it's around the divinity of mm. every one of everyone and everything to see everyone as God, to see everything as God. And, and the, another big idea that has been so significant in the teachings that I've, I've been receiving has been that everything's perfect the way it is. And which is a big that's a big ask to orient to that, to be able yeah. to, that's a big ask. Mm. But the idea around that is that we're on an arc, you know, the associated teaching that comes through is that perfection is, and it comes through, that's a complete sentence. Perfection is, and it's almost like we are an unfolding flower and each of us is an, is an aspect of this unfolding blossoming flower. And it's in its perfection at every phase along its evolutionary blossoming process. And it cannot be otherwise. That's the way the teaching comes through. And so the idea that everyone is divine, everyone is God, and to, to orient to being able to see that the essence of everyone Everyone is in their perfection. Everyone is finding their way. And to be able to honor and trust everyone is exactly where they need to be and finding their own way. And to be able to honor everyone and everything just where it is and accept and appreciate and love everything just as it is. And to start to separate from it being our job to to impose what we see as is, is virtuous versus what we see as is, is not good and be able to allow things to be as they are and to be able to be at peace with people and with situations and circumstances just, just as they are. And so that's, that, that's a lot. That's a big shift right there. And then, but, but, but that practice, and that's a whole practice, and so that starts to shift it. The, the other teaching that comes through that I, I wanted to share mm -hmm. that came through one day is, you know, I felt the 
it, it came through with like the energy of spirit, like grinning. And it, it came through almost as like sen complete sentences like, oh, you're so cute. You think that if you align with the force of creation, with the divine will, that you're going to have this pious life. You know, it's going to be, you're going to walk the straight and narrow. And, and spirit was just like, you're so cute. Because what you're going to experience, the more you align to the essence of who, who you are, is you're going to be yourself and others, some others will perceive most of it as misbehaving. Like you are not falling in line. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You are off the rails. And so it's the opposite of being pious in the straight and narrow, because as you allow the essence to flow through you, it is not going to be conforming to so many of the things that make you comfortable and other people comfortable as well. And so that was, that was an impactful teaching to me too, to be able to start to soften into when I'm feeling tugged or at least when I'll be shown things in journeys that point me to a possibility, maybe even kind of offer me some options that may sound very scary and out on a limb to me to be able to then, once I come back and be able to say, whew, can I hold that? Is that something I can hold? Can I trust that? Can I give that a try? And that's an ongoing practice of being, uh, getting more and more trusting that it's all not only going to be okay, but it's all perfect. And so it's, it, it changes the complexion of, of the striving, starts to shift to take on the feeling of something different. And it's an ebbing and a flowing. It's an ebbing and a flowing, and it, but it feels like it's moving towards a trajectory of greater uh, experience of union and unity in, in normal day life. The other thing I'm hearing you say is to put it in different terms, you almost, you have to know the rules of, of our rigidity and the rules of the conformity and stuff. You have to know them so well that you know, which ones to break <laughs> properly. You have to know the rules well enough to break them properly. Um, because, I think if you have that unit of consciousness and you see everything as perfect in that it's God's own process of evolution through in and as us, as if like we're God's sense organs, you know, giving God an experience of God's self, then um, we wouldn't want to hurt others or abuse them or use them for our own good, uh, our own manipulation and power because that would indeed be hurting our self, capital S self, one self. There's one self here. And if I'm hurting and or abusing you, then I'm hurting and abusing myself because there's only one of us quote here, <laughs> if you hear that. And so the rule then, the rules, maybe unit of consciousness can actually be the template by which we measure the, the conformity rules that we, come, that we experience in everyday life and we can we know which ones that aren't needed we know which ones that are uh stumbling blocks to unity unitive consciousness so we don't have a problem breaking those rules or even being iconoclast and maybe shocking people uh, awake 
a bit, uh, especially ourselves. On the other hand, I, I think what I'm hearing you say is the more sensitivity we start to develop of this great heart, the more compassionate, truly, and empathetic and desirous to empower other people in their own journeys. Yeah, what, what are your comments or thoughts on that? Yeah, what comes up on that is that one thing that I've, I've come to believe is that it's not possible for something to be for my highest good and not be for the also the highest good of those around me. And so if I'm truly aligning with the things that are for my highest good, it's, they're also for the highest good of all those affected. And, that's, and that feels to me like it's a law. It's like a, a metaphysical law. Um, and so that, uh, I think, is, is, is part of what you're asking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. As a shaman now in your own right, or um, a steward, a pastor, I don't know what the right term is, where you help other people who are led to you, um, how do you see your role in that new ministry that you're offering the world? What is, what is your greatest um, joy in that? And what do you, how do you see yourself doing your vocation there? Yeah. So that leads me to saying one key thing that, that and it was one of the very first things that was presented to me in that, by that Colombian shaman is that job one for all of us for healing the world is to heal ourselves, that we all heal together. And is that as we heal and lift, then we lift those around us. And that's each of our most important job above, even if we're like a teacher, a preacher, it's still job one for us to heal ourselves and to lift ourselves um, as far. And so I think that I think about that all the time. And because I think as soon as we start to shift to focusing on healing others, then we take our eye off the ball and we start it, that in itself becomes a distraction for facing our own stuff. Hmm. And so I think that practice also makes it a little easier for me to trust people on their own healing paths. And so even when I'm working with someone, I think one of the gifts I've been given from the journeys that I've had and the teachings that I've received is to be able to trust that someone is on their path perfectly and it helps me to not to judge from for judgment to not come into the picture. So when I'm when I'm facilitating for someone, I can't fathom something that could come up that would cause me to judge what they've done um, or what they're standing for. Because in that space, the ability to trust their path um, allows me to to just uh, hold that space regardless of what's coming up or what they've been through. And it's not my job, really, uh, 
It's not my job to change their mind or to shift them. That's their job. My job is to, uh, to just it's, it's, it's to be a reflection for them. But even what I'm reflecting back to them, if I'm, if I'm on a good day is still just coming from them. It's, it's, it's the more I can get out of the way. And, and sometimes it feels like that when I'm working with someone and they're in the force of the medicine and I'm not, and they lift the eye shades and they take off the headphones for a second and something is coming up and we, we start to dialogue on a good day. What I'm reflecting back to them really feels like it's something coming from them at maybe a higher level that's using me in my perception and my ability to navigate to feed back to them what they need, but it still feels like it's coming from them, not from me. So you're a channel for that higher consciousness, their higher consciousness. Yeah. Uh, And the only way you can be a crystallized channel is making sure that what is coming out to the best of your ability is not not you. And so that means you have to do your self-work, your work real good on that. uh, So it is as undistorted as possible. I guess that's what I'm hearing. I love the way you tied that together. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're definitely given a lot of the metaphysics of the law of one through that explanation. I'm sure it's perennial metaphysics that any good um, spiritual teaching would give, but also good counseling. I mean, these are good counseling skills. And as a counselor for 22 years, um, that's what we're trained to do as well. Uh, The the other question I have for you is, People are interested these days in micro dosing and um, also trying to figure out what, what particular plant medicine is the best for them and all of that. And how do you navigate that with people? So for microdosing, um, I, I was taught a protocol by my teacher uh, focused on people, focused on depression and um, helping to someone to heal from mm-hmm. that. And so many people that reach out, they're on psych meds, of pharmaceuticals. And in the protocol that I was taught that I still feel is, 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 is really effective is uh, the first thing you do, uh, as you start to wean off of your psych meds is uh, to microdose. And usually that is psilocybin. And the idea behind the microdosing is that you are, you're communing with that, with this medicine, but it's at an amount approximately daily that is subperceptual. So you take it in the morning, you go to work, you go to school, you do your thing. So you're taking a small enough amount to where, you know, the, the, the rocks aren't sparkling and, uh, you know, the trees aren't winking at you. You know, it's like um, you're, it's a dose that you can do what you need to do. Um, and I have found that that's an effective tool. There have been some studies that have come out that like, um, maybe they're double blind that have said, you know, they weren't clearly effective, 
Um, my experience anecdotally and through the people I've worked with is that the microdosing really does matter. And so I think that over time that will be shown that taking subperceptual amounts is an is a very helpful tool along with doing periodic um, therapeutic dosages. So macro doses um, periodically and going deep. And so those two together, I think, are very complementary and both okay. together uh, help. Cool. Uh, uh, I know, I, I do believe that the future of, of counseling and psychology is going to include, um, as part of mainstream treatment, microdosing, because that's a lot of research is moving in that direction that are um, finding the evidence-based treatment protocols of microdosing as being efficacious and it, and it will be a part of the tools for counselors to help people. So I think this is the cutting edge. Um, I myself would say that this, anybody who's listening to this or watching this, um, I, I'm not saying that this is an endorsement that people should drop their psych meds and then do this um, as a point blank. I'm not saying that that needs to be done. I think it, discernment needs to be done and having conversations with you and people like you and um, people who have these experiences can be done. But um, I, I just want to go on record is by saying as a mental health professional that's conventional uh, in these ways is that uh, I'm not personally endorsing the, um, you know, the dropping of all medication right now. <laughs> and so that needs to be done through discernment, I would say. Because um, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want somebody to, to hear this and say, well, okay, uh, let me drop all of my medication and go find somebody to do microdosing and then that lead them into a lot of trouble because maybe they're connecting with somebody who doesn't know how to help them like you do. Um, well, I'm so. not a healthcare professional for sure. And I, I have no credentials to offer any um, healthcare advice. So yeah, and, and so what, what I'm just saying is, as a, a person, I, as a therapist myself, who is credentialed and licensed and, and want to keep that, <laughs> is that I'm saying that Doug Scott is not um, uh, 100% advocating that people drop this, their medications, and then go into psychedelics. What I'm saying from my perspective as a counselor is I'm very interested in your knowledge and uh, want people to feel better. And I already see the writing in the road is that we will be moving in this. My hope is that within five, 10, maybe 20 years, um, we won't need to have so many psychiatric medications because people will know how to do microdosing It'll be, uh, it's hopefully a lot better and more efficacious than the, the medicines we have now. And that we'll be doing um, 
energy healing because there i think there's a whole school of energy healing that's also being studied and shown to be efficacious so i i see this conversation that you and i are having as a movement forward in bringing unfortunately what is now fringe um, on the edge of the mainstream but still fringe and it, i'm hoping that it'll move it into the mainstream as even if one or two people even professionals that listen to this might be more open now that they've heard your stories and journey into that um, you know a quick thing a quick response to that is i don't have experience with um, how effective is microdosing by itself to helping mm -hmm. someone to heal from depression say um I just don't have a lot of experience with that. Usually the people I'm working with are doing periodic uh, therapeutic macro. deep dives with macro doses and the two together I know are a compelling combination. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the future. I really do. Um, and I see you as being instrumental in, in that. So thank you yeah. for your work. Yeah. Here's another yeah. question. Well, you um, had it. I didn't get to the second part of that. Oh, the question yes. that you had a second ago. You, you asked about microdosing and then also about yes. which medicine should someone which use? Medicine? Was that the other yep. question? Yeah, that's one of the biggest questions that I get. Okay. Um, the two main medicines that people will work with for this kind of work, one-on-one uh, -on -one work is uh, psilocybin and MDMA. Um, MDMA is especially well-suited for PTSD. Mm -hmm. um, and so if someone, so I'll back up a little bit. Generally, I, I don't like to be the person who picks which medicine someone does. Got it. I like for them to feel called to, to the medicine that they would use. That said, there's certain things that they will say that will make me feel like one medicine might be, um, better than the other okay. generally in the protocol that i was taught mdma is the first medicine um, as you do as you are planning to do multiple journeys mdma is most reliably the most gentle on the psyche and so you hear about having um uncomfortable experiences on the classic psychedelics like like psilocybin, magic mushrooms, and LSD, MDMA, you're not, you're very unlikely to have that kind of a really uncomfortable experience. MDMA may um, show you some things that you need to see that may not be easy, but uh, generally not. It, not going to be jarring. So MDMA is the gen is reliably gentle on the psyche, and therefore, it, it, for a lot of practitioners, that's the go-to for the first medicine that someone would do a journey with. Okay. That that said, uh, psilocybin, magic mushrooms are absolutely one hundred percent organic. They're 
I don't think anyone has ever died from overdosing, taking too much. Like if you accidentally took 10 times too much, you may go on a hell of a, uh, of an emotional ride, but your body is going to be no worse for the wear when your feet land back on the ground. Um, and so for a lot of people and also MDMA seems to have a little bit more of standard modalities that the teachings come through as where psilocybin mushrooms seem to be so dynamic in the way that they can work with you. Some of the times it feels energetic. Sometimes it can be very cryptic and very, you know, it's a much, it can be a much more dynamic, unpredictable experience with um, mushrooms I think if someone comes to me and they're looking for that spiritual immersion, that then magic mushroom tend to be a good choice, especially if they don't like the idea of, of taking uh, something that is made in the lab. The mushrooms mm-hmm. are literally dried and you, you, you take the dried, you eat the dried mushrooms. <laughs> it's like there's n- no processing whatsoever. With a little ranch dressing and a saltness cake. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. This has been a fascinating conversation for me. And I, I feel like there's so much depth of knowledge that you have. Uh, you certainly have a lot of experience. And you are somebody who was helped too. So you are not only a facilitator, but somebody who is using this as your own part of your own journey of self-knowledge, acceptance and forgiveness and balance. And, you know, all of that is incorporated. So you're, you're doing your own work and you're helping other people do their work with high integrity. I think that's also um, beautiful about you. Where can people learn more about your work? And I, I think you also have a, a meetup from time to time or something online that you facilitate. So maybe if you could share a little bit more about your information, that would be great. Yeah. So I just created a group on Facebook called psychedelics for healing. Um, That's a great place to start. I just created it. Um, And I'll be posting the online integration circles that I do monthly. So uh, they've been on the third Monday is the online integration circle. Some of the people who've been showing up for that are people who have been working with the medicines by themselves and don't have anyone to do integration work with. Um, always recommend that people have an experienced uh, facilitator to work with, if at all possible. Um, that said, some people don't or they just decide to try it themselves and then that's some of the people who join this third monday integration circle online if you want to find that you can look through psychedelics for healing on facebook um i'm leon campisi on both facebook and on instagram i don't really uh, post a lot of this kind of stuff but you can connect through connect with me through that and Mm -hmm. the other thing i'll say is you know, at this point, um, this isn't my quote unquote, uh, 
career or work. I had a long tech career as an entrepreneur, and I was able to transition out of that uh, uh, summer before last. And so this work that I'm doing, work that I'm doing now is really following my heart and it's unfolding. And currently uh, I'm doing the kind of stuff we've been discussing and um, we'll, we'll see where that, where that leads. So you're in process too. <laughs> this vocation is in process. It's, it's opening up that flower you talk about is opening up um, and you're having the freedom to not need to steer it. It's, it's going to be organic as it's opening up, but it does sound like it's pretty close to your vocation. If it's not your vocation to, to steward people into higher, um, more expansive, loving ways to be in, in normal life where they have that unit of consciousness and, and working with psychedelics is a great way to learn how to do that. And you're one of those people that are called, seems like to me, to do that. So best of luck. Um, I will be getting all of your information, if I could, like your uh, any contact information. And then I'll put that on the show notes so people can access that if they'd like to connect with you and the Facebook. Could you say it one more time, your first and last name slowly so people hear it, and then the Facebook uh, group? Yeah, it's Leon Campisi, which is C-A-M-P-I-S-E, and on both Facebook and Instagram. And then the group that I just created is called Psychedelics for Healing. And that's where I'll be posting the meetups. And also I'm going to start posting uh, some of the teachings that are coming through. And then we'll just let this thing uh, evolve organically and see what, see what it becomes. Love it. Oh, that's wonderful. Awesome. Thank you for your time. What a pleasure. Thank you.